from the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up, President Biden concluded his first foreign trip as president last night when he landed back in Washington. The Associated Press, which could easily be confused as a PR firm for the Biden administration, stated, quote, President Joe Biden spent his first trip overseas highlighting a sharp break from his disruptive predecessor, selling that the United States was once more a reliable ally with a steady hand at the wheel, end quote. While I agree uh, President Trump was a disruptor, which many thought was good, I see President Biden as anything but a steady hand at the wheel. Florida Congressman Michael Waltz is here with a look at President Joe Biden's first overseas trip. Then waving the rainbow flag, Biden's Department of Education is using a Supreme Court decision which redefined sex to include gender for Title VII employment law to force transgender ideology on public schools across America and torpedo state laws protecting women's sports. Is this another act of lawlessness from the left? What can parents and state leaders do in response? Meg Kilgannon, FRC Senior Fellow for Education Studies, is here to answer those questions. And is the IRS being weaponized against conservatives like it was under President Obama? Well, it certainly looks that way as confidential taxpayer information is now being leaked. And a conservative Christian organization has been denied nonprofit status. Wait until you hear why. We'll be joined by Justin Butterfield with First Liberty Institute, who is representing the organization. And in the lane of lawlessness, the chair of the EEOC, the Employment Equal Opportunity Employment Commission, has unilaterally issued guidelines without input from the rest of the commission. What would these guidelines force employers to do? Well, Roger Severino, senior fellow with Ethics and Public Policy Center, is here with those answers. The U.S. Supreme Court handed down a decision today on foster care and Catholic social services. Was it a good decision? We'll talk with it. We'll talk about it with Pennsylvania Congressman Mike Kelly a little later here on the program. The website, TonyPerkins.com. And uh, folks, thank you so much for those of you who called in yesterday to partner with the Family Research Council. We have a $1 million challenge match that will be effective through June the 30th. From now until June the 30th, you can double your gift of support to the Family Research Council as we work to champion biblical values in Washington, D.C. and across the nation. If you stand with us, give us a call, 800-225-4008. We have team members standing by to take your phone call. Again, I want to thank each and every one of you who called yesterday to say, yes, I want to stand with FRC And your gift was doubled as a result. So give us a call, 800-225-4008, to be a part of what FRC is doing. Also, another reminder for those of you in the Colorado Springs area, this Saturday, June the 19th, FRC Stand Courageous Men's Conference will be at Karis Bible College just outside of Colorado Springs. This full-day men's conference will unpack a man's role as defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can have the generational influence that we should have as men both inside and outside the home. It's for men of all ages and all seasons of life. If you're in Colorado Springs in that area, I encourage you to join us. Register today at StandCourageous.com. That's StandCourageous.com. All right, the legacy media which uh, worked hard to slam former President Trump at every turn, is making every effort to pump up President Biden, even when America is facing multiple crises. Reporting on President Biden's first trip overseas, the Associated Press wrote that there were sighs of relief from European leaders who welcomed his pitch that the U.S. was, as the AP put it, once more a reliable ally with a steady hand at the wheel. Now, again, a steady hand at the wheel is not how I would describe President Biden. You know, he was uh, there was questions about this uh, post G7 summit that he had with uh, President Putin. And they they talked about his mother. They talked about family wasn't too tough, apparently, on Putin. But uh, 
he didn't like unscripted questions from reporters. After his press conference, post-Putin summit, he, uh, he's, he does his press conference, and then as he's walking out, he's asked a question by uh, a CNN reporter. And I, I want to play this clip for you. Clip six, please. Wow. If you don't understand that, you're in the wrong business. A little testy he is. Joining me now to uh, give an analysis of the president's first overseas trip, Congressman Michael Waltz, who serves on the House Foreign Affairs Committee. He represents Florida's 6th Congressional District. Congressman, welcome back to the program. Hey, good to be good to be with you. Uh, now, I, you know, I'm going to give the president a pass on some of the gaffes he made mi- mixing up Syria and Liberi- Libya uh, and, you know, kind of just losing his place. Look, lo- different time zone, uh, you know, late late nights, busy days. But the, the press is really puffing up this president as if all of a sudden America is back. And that's the same line that the president is using. What's your take? on America's standing post-President Biden's first international trip? Well, I have to I have to be candid with you. I'm not going to give him a pass. Uh, this is a, it's a disturbing trend. And, you know, part of these foreign leader engagements is really sizing each other up because uh, at the end of the day, uh, deterrence, keeping the peace, is comprised of, of two key portions. One is having the, the capability, but importantly, is having the political will. Uh, and when you can't keep your country straight, when you can't and aren't willing from uh, from the press corps, uh, and when you can't even fill uh, a five-hour meeting uh, with enough substance uh, with with Russia of all countries, uh, look, I, I find that incredibly disturbing. But I just want to take a step back. Uh, I don't know why uh, this Putin summit happened in the first place. It shouldn't have happened. Uh, he needed it far more than we did. Uh, it was a reward. It gives him an international stage to be on parity with the United States. Uh, and in the wake of multiple attacks emanating from Russian soil uh, on our critical infrastructure, on our oil and gas pipeline and colonial, on our food supply, uh, you know, the fact that he's holding two Americans hostage, uh, both veterans, uh, the fact that he is rapidly uh, modernizing his uh, nuclear missile uh, fleet and bragging about it. Wake of all of these things. Uh, all, let's not forget putting hundreds of thousands on the border of Ukraine uh, and uh, isolating, you know, with the, the apparent acquiescence of the Biden administration, isolating uh, our, our allies in uh, Poland and Ukraine with the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. In the wake of all of that, we're going to give them a, a kind of a you know, happy-go-lucky uh, summit uh, to, to to sit down and and decide. I don't know what. I don't really know what came of all of this. Contrast the Trump administration's approach to Russia with what we saw between Biden and Putin. Well, you know, the media wants to focus on the, the Helsinki uh, press conference. And President Trump, you know, agree with it or disagree with it, he was consistent in believing that if he maintained uh, a, a relationship with heads of state, friend and foe alike, whether it was North Korea, Russia, Japan, uh, you know, we can, we can go down the list, uh, that that was a, um, that that was a powerful tactic in, in diplomacy. But I'm focused on action. Uh, and more Russians died. Uh, more Russians were taken out by the United States military under President Trump uh, than any other president since Reagan. Uh, 
Uh, and I'm talking about the hundreds of Russian mercenaries that dared to try to attack American soldiers in Syria. And Trump gave the authorization uh, for our Air Force to take him down. Contrast that with uh, the Trump administration providing lethal aid uh, to the Ukrainians uh, after the Obama administration, uh, in response to a Russian invasion, gave them blankets and uh, MREs, sanctioned on the Nord Stream uh, pipeline, holding uh, our NATO allies to account after decades of them promising to live up to their defense uh, 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 commitments. Uh, and I can I can keep going down the list, rebuilding our military, plussing up our defense budgets, investing in modernization, particularly nuclear modernization, which the Biden administration now wants to cut. Uh, so actions speak far louder than words. Uh, but the Biden administration's taken the opposite approach. So let's throw out a few tough phrases. The media just runs with it, but the actions tell another story. We're soft. Putin smells weakness. Uh, he knows there's weakness in the White House right now, and we're going to see him continue to push. But if you were to just take the media at face value, it was Trump that was soft on Russia, and it is Biden who's tough. Well, yeah. I mean, I literally heard uh, a, a, the CNN re- a reporter, um, you know, ask a, ask uh, you know former NSC staffer Fiona Hill. Uh, what she thought of, of Biden's much tougher stance than Trump. Um, just again, just completely ignoring the facts and completely ignoring uh, the policies. You didn't see these cyber attacks happen under the Trump administration. Uh, you didn't see uh, further incursions into Ukraine. Uh, you saw uh, Russian mercenaries stop tra- uh, cold in their tracks uh, in Syria uh, because they knew uh, that the political will was there uh, in, in, in terms of deterrence. They knew that, uh, you know, overtake with President Xi at Mar-a-Lago, uh, Chinese President Xi, uh, President Trump stepped out and ordered a cruise missile strike into Syria in response to chemical attacks that the Obama administration had let go on and on and on. Uh, so, look, again, actions speak far louder than words, except with right. the mainstream media. Apparently. But I think – Well, exactly. But I think it's the media that loses credibility on this trip, not just the Biden administration. Uh, Very quickly, uh, Congressman uh, Waltz, before we run out of time, the the, uh, Biden is claiming NATO is back. Yet under the Trump administration, we actually got countries to pitch in and pay their fair share. I thought NATO was working quite well under the Trump administration. Well, that's right. I mean, we we realized NATO realized uh, several hundred billion more in contributions under the Trump administration. Uh, And it depends on which house. I think we uh, we lost some congressmen. We lost you. We'll catch you next time. Thanks so much for uh, joining us, folks. uh, Stick around because we've got a lot more Washington watch. To come on the other side of the break, we're going to be looking at the Department of Education releasing guidance that directs public schools to embrace or else the radical transgender ideology. Now, we're going to talk about this with Meg Kilgannon next year on Washington Watch to go away. A lot more still to come. What is Roe v. Wade and what did it do? The Supreme Court's 1973 decision ruled that abortion is protected under the U.S. Constitution, striking down many state abortion restrictions and severely limiting the extent to which states could write their own abortion laws. The Supreme Court's limitations on states to legislate abortion restrictions depends on the trimester of a pregnancy. For instance, Roe disallows states from restricting abortions in the first trimester, but allows some restrictions on abortions in the third trimester. What Roe doesn't do is require states to have any restrictions. Abortion through all nine months of pregnancy is the default, unless Congress or the individual states pass laws restricting it. That leaves a lot of room for unrestricted abortions. For a full explanation of how Roe v. Wade liberalized abortion laws, go to frc.org explainer. That's frc.org explainer. 
After the recent wave of media censorship, are you struggling to find a conservative, relevant, and Christian platform where you can find out what's really going on? Here at Family Research Council, we believe that Americans have a right to exercise their freedom of speech and share their stories with the world. If you're ready to hear the facts that the left doesn't want you to know about, then head over to frcblog.com to check out our latest blog posts. We cover a wide range of issues you and your family care about, all written by our policy, government affairs, and biblical worldview experts. We discuss topics that other media platforms won't, like changes in pro-life policy, current events that affect Christians internationally, sexuality from a biblical perspective, and insights into the bigger picture of the shift in American culture. To stay up to date on current news related to faith, family, and freedom, visit frcblog.com. That's frcblog.com. Would you like to spend more time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible with their Stand on the Word Bible Reading Plan. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading with an intentional focus of diving deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues. By studying the Bible, we can see the grandeur of God unfold throughout the past. This reading plan takes you through the Bible as events happen in history. Laying out the scripture every day in an engaging manner, it is key to helping us stay grounded in God's truth. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. Start reading today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we text you every Sunday with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org Bible. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. Good to have you with us. Again, we've got team members standing by. If you'd like to part with the Family Research Council and make sure Washington Watch continues, you can uh, give us a call. And between now and June 30th, your gift will be doubled because of a generous $1 million match that we have. Give us a call, 800-225-4008. That's 800-225-4008. Zero eight to stand with us. Okay, yesterday the uh, Biden administration uh, once again overstepped the bounds of the law and common sense with its notice of interpretation, technical term, that as promised in one of the very first executive orders signed by President Biden, girls will lose protections to biological boys presenting as girls, acting as girls in public schools, if schools abide by this guidance from Washington, D.C. What can parents do? What can educators do? Well, joining here, joining out with more is Meg Kilgannon, Senior Fellow for Education Studies here at the Family Research Council. Meg, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Tony. It's great to be here. Okay, so the Department of Education taking a court decision on Title VII, which pertained to employment, taking those principles, which had nothing to do with the court case, uh, and now applying those to Title IX in public education. Is that right? That's correct. The notice of in- intent interpretation is basically informing everyone that if you were to file a claim of having a, a civil rights claim at the Department of Education, they are going to interpret Title IX uh, in a way that means that the definition of sex is no longer simply male and female, you're a biological man or biological woman. They are in- expanding that to include sexual orientation and gender identity. So the but even in the but even in the Title VII case, it, it didn't go as far as what they're trying to apply it here in this case to Title IX. That's right, and the title the Title VII case even went so far as to say that we're assuming that the definition of on the basis of sex is biologically male or female. So they've really they're they're really uh, jumping the shark on this one. They they promised they would do it during the campaign. They threatened to do it. Um, the radicals at the Department of Education have threatened to do it since they got there, and now they've actually done it. 
So, Meg, like, let's take uh, Tennessee. Um, last month, Tennessee signed a bill, a bathroom bill, protecting access to biological sex in the public education, meaning that girls can have the safety of going into a bathroom and not knowing that a boy is going to be barging in there who says he's a girl, but a biological boy. Will that be torpedoed by this? Well, that means that someone who feels like their civil rights violations, uh, civil rights are being violated by such a law will be able to appeal to the Department of Education's Office of Civil Rights, and they can issue an opinion on that. Um, You would think that if you were in the education space and you saw all of this energy in the states um, around lawmaking, lawmaking around gender identity as an issue, that they might say, take a pause and say, well, gee, maybe we should wait and see uh, what's happening. Maybe we should take our cue from the states and from the school systems in the states. But no, they're going to force this agenda down from the top on the states. And so this, uh, this would also apply to the sports bills, the women's sports bills, that those schools or those states that have these protections for women's that for women that they won't have to compete against biological men they may have to defend themselves against suits brought uh, on behalf of students by the department of education right that's right absolutely right and the the other ramifications of something like this um one that particularly bothers me is the idea that separate records would be kept that a student would be in a school and decide to identify as the opposite sex at school and records would be kept under another name, but the parents would, that information would be hidden from the parents. Everything that went home to the parents about their minor child would use their given name, their birth name, the name the parents use, but the records kept at school about that child in their quote-unquote safe space would use another name and another identity. It's completely outrageous. Unbelievable. It is. Unbelievable how they're undermining parental authority here. Now, let's put this in context with what the Department of Education does, what the federal government. The federal government um, contributes 7 to 8% of the overall educational dollars for, for most states. So, I mean, we're not – the states are not beholden to the federal government. They can tell them to take a hike. And I think most parents would probably, if they knew that money was being spent well, would, would, would vote for an increase to avoid this, this asinine policy uh, push that is coming from this administration. That's right. And, you know, the schools that do rely on that federal money are the poorest of schools. They're the schools that don't have a property tax base to support their local, their educational infrastructure, and they rely on federal dollars to make up the difference. And now, even though it's not technically stated in this particular piece of guidance, the Obama administration certainly said at the time, and there's no reason to think that this administration wouldn't do the same, your federal dollars are tied by to your willingness to advance this agenda. Uh, 30 seconds, Meg Kilgannon. What can parents and local officials do? Well, parents and local officials need to pray about this issue. You need to review. Parents need to review the policies of their schools and insist on policies that protect children's rights and their identity as male or female, not an interpretation of gender identity. You need to find out what the policy in your school is. You can no longer just assume that this is not in your school. You need to assume that it is until you prove otherwise. And you need to consider running for office. All right. Meg Kilgannon, thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate uh, all the great work you do here at the Family Research Council. Thank you, Tony. It's such a pleasure to be here. You heard Meg. Maybe you need to run for office. In fact... Uh, Meg and others on the team will be uh, heading up a uh, online session coming up pretty soon on helping people run for the local court. If you'd like more information on that, I tell you what, just email me, Tony at TonyPerkins.com. That's Tony at TonyPerkins.com. Pretty easy to remember. Email me, say, hey, I'm interested. I think I may want to run for the school board. All right. Email me. Coming up next, the IRS. Is it being weaponized by the Biden administration? Evidence would say yes. 
Where do you get your news? Do you have confidence you're getting the full truth? If you want to stay up to date on conservative news and are looking for Christian resources to help you stay politically engaged, then download Family Research Council's Stand Firm app. With all of our content available at your fingertips, you will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources, such as our most recent radio programs, social media posts, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on the issues that most concern you. Visit the App Store on your smartphone or mobile device and search Stand Firm to download Family Research Council's official Stand Firm app. Stay informed with a trusted source. Again, search Stand Firm to download the Stand Firm app. As the political and cultural landscape of our nation has shifted in a concerning direction, it is so important for Christians to be equipped with biblical answers for the difficult questions of our time. That is why Family Research Council created our Biblical Worldview series. With the political left changing definitions to favor their narrative and to push their agenda, at times it can be hard to decipher what is true. That is why we must hold to the truth of the Bible, which stands the test of time. It holds the truth that does not change. Become equipped to stand firm in the face of cultural and political storms with FRC's Biblical Worldview series. This series dives deep into what the Bible says about some of the most crucial issues of our day. You'll learn what the Bible teaches on abortion, same-sex marriage, the separation of church and state, religious freedom, and the age-old question, should Christians be involved in politics? To access this series, visit frc.org worldview. That's frc.org worldview. Welcome back. Just recently, the Family Research Council launched our Center for Biblical Worldview. And our mission through this center is to equip you to live out and defend your faith in your family, in your community, in the public square, everywhere you go. And every week, new resources are being published to help you think biblically about the issues of our day. And if you'd like to learn more about this, here, write this down. Text the word worldview, worldview to 67742. That's 67742, the word worldview. I'll send you a link and you can have access to all this information so that you'll be able to think about today's issues through the lenses of scripture. Again, text the word worldview to 67742. All right. The IRS recently denied tax exempt status to a Texas-based Christian nonprofit and said it was disqualified in part because they educate Christians on what the Bible says in areas they can be instrumental, including the areas of the sanctity of life, the definition of marriage, biblical justice, freedom of speech, defense, and the border and immigration, U.S. and Israel relations. And they went on to say, the IRS went on to say, that those Bible teachings are, quote, typically affiliated with the Republican Party, end quote. Well, whose fault is that, that the Democrats don't want to take up these issues? Joining me now to talk about this is Justin Butterfield, Deputy General Counsel at First Liberty Institute, which is representing this nonprofit. Justin, welcome to Washington Watch. Well, thank you for having me. Justin, can you tell us more about this nonprofit in this case that you have uh, taken up at First Liberty? Absolutely. So First Liberty Institute represents Christians Engaged, which is an educational organization that wants to educate and encourage Christians uh, in getting involved in civics, in praying for government, in, in learning how to vote, things like that. And so they have a weekly Bible study. They send out prayer alerts. They organize prayer meetings for government officials in our nation. And uh, they just do things to encourage Christians to get engaged something that nobody should have a problem with. Well, they sought tax-exempt status as a 501c3 from the IRS, and the IRS responded with this bizarre denial letter that uh, made several major mistakes, and they, the IRS said that they were not liable, they were not able to be tax-exempt because they did things like taking a position. Well, lots of nonprofit organizations take positions on lots of topics. 
Uh, they said that Bible teachings, and that was the Iris's words, Bible teachings are affiliated with the Republican Party. Now, Christians Engaged absolutely disagrees with that. They believe the Bible is for everybody, regardless of political affiliation. Um, and the final thing the IRS did that was just absolutely wrong is they, by making these statements, they really violated the First Amendment's free exercise clause, free speech clause, um, and the Establishment Clause. And they were telling Christians Engaged how they should interpret the Bible, something that no government official has a right to do. And so First Liberty Institute came alongside and said, no, this is not how the IRS should treat uh, organizations like Christians Engaged. And we, we, are, we responded to that letter. We're seeking to have the IRS reverse that determination. But if you think about it, what the IRS told Christians Engaged, that Bible teachings are Republican policy positions, and that by holding to Bible, the Bibles as, as the inerrant word of God, what the IRS referred to as the inerrant M, because they wouldn't even put the word of God as, a, as an unabbreviated phrase in their letter, the inerrant M, the inerrant word of God, that that is somehow problematic for tax status. That would threaten the tax status not only of Christians engaged, but of thousands and thousands of religious organizations, churches, places of worship around the country because they hold to the Bible or, or other similar works as, as being important and taking stands on those positions. Well, I would have to ask the question, Justin, can the, should the IRS penalize this nonprofit because the Democratic Party is not affiliated with these issues? That's their choice. The Democratic Party doesn't have to take up these issues and have a biblical view or have Bible studies. That's their choice. But simply because the Republican Party has a platform that is reflective of biblical truth, why should a group that is aligned with those same issues be penalized? That, that's absolutely right. They, they shouldn't be. And, you know, Christians Engaged is a nonpartisan organization. They believe and they want people of all political affiliations to, to read the Bible, to study scripture, and to, to learn how they can apply the Bible in their lives. So they do not agree that, that the Bible only speaks to Republicans. And, and the IRS's statement that because Bible teachings, as they put it, are affiliated with the Republican Party, that, that organizations that hold to the Bible are somehow no longer able to be tax exempt, that's completely wrong. And that's not what the Wait. law says. I mean, Justin, this looks like outright hostility from the IRS toward biblically based and biblically centered organizations. It, it absolutely is. It's, you know, it's cancel culture come to the IRS. And unfortunately, the IRS seems to have a history of going after organizations that the, the individual IRS agents who are, are reviewing their, their taxes and requests uh, dislike um, that they, they have a history of going after those organizations. And unfortunately, this seems to be another in that chain. Uh, we're certainly hopeful that the IRS will do the right thing, that they will reverse this decision and recognize that religious organizations should not be denied tax exempt status just because they hold to biblical teachings. Uh, but unfortunately, that's where we're at right now. Justin Butterfield, thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate all the great work that First Liberty does on behalf of religious freedom in our country. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Wow. You know, none of this stuff happened during the Trump administration. You didn't see where the IRS was weaponized to go after people, but it was during the Obama administration, now under the Biden administration. And guess what? I don't think the press is going to report on this. All right, the EEOC also out with guidance trying to advance the transgender ideology. We talk about it next with Roger Severino. Don't go away. More to come. Get a trusted perspective on the news of the day every day. Listen to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins to get honest and in-depth commentary on what's going on in our nation's capital and around the world. Join Family Research Council President Tony Perkins, live every weekday by tuning into Washington Watch on the American Family Radio Network, Bot Radio, the KTLW Radio Network, and independent Christian radio stations across the country. Or listen to the show when it works for you by visiting TonyPerkins.com. Since the Supreme Court decided Roe v. Wade in 1973, over 60 million people are now missing from our country due to legalized abortion. Public opinion, our knowledge of law, and scientific advancements demonstrate that Roe should by no means be considered settled law. Roe is an abomination in our country's history, 
And it's time for the horrendous practice of legalized abortion to end. To learn more about the legal, historical, and cultural reasons to overturn Roe v. Wade, go to frc.org slash Roe. The Equality Act sounds like good legislation and something that ought to have bipartisan support, but it doesn't. Why? Because the Equality Act, paradoxically, would spur inequality. It is Trojan horse legislation that would hinder equality and would massively overhaul our federal civil rights framework. The stated purpose of the bill is to prohibit discrimination on the basis of sex, gender identity, and sexual orientation. The real effect of this bill would not be to eliminate discrimination, but to erase the freedom to hold a different opinion. The Equality Act would mandate government-imposed inequality by requiring acceptance of a particular ideology about sexual ethics, while leaving no room for legitimate public debate. Simply put, the Equality Act mandates an anti-life, anti-family, and anti-faith agenda throughout federal law and would be a disaster for all Americans. To learn more about the inequality of the Equality Act, visit frc.org slash Equality Act. Since June of 2015, over 12,000 Christians have been killed in Nigeria. This violence has reached a point at which experts are warning of a progressive genocide specifically targeting Christians across Africa's largest and most economically powerful nation. Yet this violence often goes unreported in the media, and if reported, is seriously downplayed. To learn more about what is actually taking place in Nigeria, along with other countries where Christians face persecution, visit frc.org slash Nigeria. Did you know that Planned Parenthood is the biggest abortion supplier in the U.S.? According to Planned Parenthood's most recent annual report, it committed 354,871 abortions in fiscal year 2019, up by over 9,000 abortions since 2018. According to these numbers, Planned Parenthood aborted 972 babies every single day. To learn more about what Planned Parenthood is really doing, visit frc.org slash Planned Parenthood facts. This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins. The website, TonyPerkins.com. All right, let me, a couple announcements here. We're uh, still going to be discussing coming up with Congressman Mike Kelly. Uh, a unanimous Supreme Court decision today, nine to zero, dealing with uh, foster care, a case out of Pennsylvania, uh, Philadelphia, to be exact. And he represents uh, Pennsylvania, parts of it. He's going to be joining us a little bit later. Um, folks are standing by, members of the FRC team, to take your phone call if you would like to partner with us. This program only happens because of people like you. It goes out across the airwaves of America because folks like you stand with us to ensure that there is a source of truth. There's a source of information that is unfiltered by the legacy media. We're not spinning it. We're telling you, we're letting you hear from the newsmakers themselves. If you would like to partner with us, we have a $1 million challenge match, which means every dollar you give will be doubled. 25 becomes 50, 50, 100, 100, 200. It's about to give a thousand, two thousand dollars. Give us a call, 800-225-4008, 800-225-4008. We receive, never have, and never will take government money. We are here because of you and for you. So give us a call, 800-225-4008. And again, I want to remind uh, men in the area of Colorado Springs or within the driving distance of Colorado Springs this weekend, General Boykin and I, along with the FRC Stand Courageous team, will be at Karis Bible College, which is just outside of Colorado Springs. This full-day men's conference will unpack a man's role as a defender, a provider, an instructor, a battle buddy, a chaplain, and, and how we're to lead both inside and outside the home. To find out more and to register, go to standcourageous.com. Okay, we were talking about uh, this um, interpretation coming from the Department of Education. Well, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission on Tuesday, the chairwoman unilaterally issued a, quote, technical assistance, end quote, document purporting to apply the Supreme Court's decision in Bostock versus Clayton County. Now, we were making reference to this earlier, Department of Education taking the same case. It was a Title VII case dealing with employment law 
in that case, they were trying to apply it to Title IX educational law. But here in this case, this uh, technical assistance takes the court decision way beyond what the court said in that opinion. In fact, going beyond what the court explicitly said it did not do. Joining me now to talk more about this and what can be done, Roger Severino, Senior Fellow at Ethics and Public Policy and a former Director of the Office of Civil Rights at the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services under former President Trump. Roger, welcome back to the program. Glad to be back, Tony. All right. Can you tell us more uh, about this guidance and how it is going beyond the intent of the Bostock case? Yeah, and I thought these days were over where law was made by the stroke of a pen and a phone call under the Obama years, but apparently under Biden, we're back. The EOC, just the chairwoman, just her alone, issued a document that purports to apply Supreme Court case law to something that doesn't actually say it does. Um, You cannot, as a commissioner alone, rule for the entire EOC. That's why you have multiple commissioners on that board. But Charlotte Burroughs, the chair, went out of her way to say that it applies in a whole range of circumstances uh, with respect to pronoun usage, with respect to shared bathrooms and shared locker rooms. And this actually happens in the workplace. Think about firefighters and their facilities or any any facility that has a gym. It's going to be based on a person's self-declared gender identity as opposed to their biological sex. And the Supreme Court decision in Bostock, which I disagreed with, Gorsuch, that was not his best moment, did not go that far. This is executive overreach that we have not seen since the Obama years. So this is like creative interpretation, not to be confused with creative dance, that they're uh, making this up based upon the Bostock decision. It wasn't there, but they're they're running with it. And I, and, and I, I wanted to bring out that point that you made about the way commissions work. I, I just finished, I served as chairman of the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom. I did not have the authority as chairman to make decisions for the entire commission. I had to get the other commissioners, which is a bipartisan commission, to sign off on those. How can this be legal? It, it's not. That, that is the issue. And if you read it closely, she dances around this precise issue. She says this is guidance and it's merely restating things that had happened in the past. That's just incorrect. The Supreme Court had not ruled based on any other prior guidance, and the commission is free to reject it or adopt it. That's why you have elections. That's why you have new commissioners. They can take a new position. They never went that far before. This is applying it to all employers under Title VII when the Supreme Court specifically reserved all sorts of questions. It was limited to hiring and firing. It didn't talk about religious freedom and religious accommodations. It said that's for another day. It didn't get into pronouns. And in fact, this guidance goes so far, it says it's about gender identity. When the Gorsuch decision only spoke about transgender status and actually presumed male and female as a biological binary. They're just throwing this aside and saying it's whatever you want it to be based on your self-declared gender identity. That's nowhere in the decision itself. So, Roger Severino, because this was done in a way that is beyond the limits of the law, As we said, the commission did not decide this. The chairwoman of the commission did it on her own unilaterally, which she has no authority to do. Would this not be susceptible to a lawsuit by uh, businesses that would fall under the EEOC? Oh, yeah, certainly. And again, this reminds me of the Obama years. There was so many times that people who were uh, uh, worried about their religious liberty and the proper application of the law sued because the Obama administration issued guidance that actually tried to change the law without following any real process, no public input, et cetera. So yes, they are absolutely vulnerable, but they want to play, they want to have it both ways. They want to say that this is merely guidance, but watch out. If you don't follow it to a T, if you use the wrong pronoun, we're going to go after you into enforcement action. And if you're a small C conservative business who just wants to provide a product or service, you're going to take the very uh, conservative route and you're going to you're going to have your lawyers telling you, be careful, treat this as the gospel truth, as the law. That's the way to stay safe. And that's just another form of bullying. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. They, they, they want to force everybody to play along with their lawlessness and their uh, their make believe. 
Uh, Roger Severino, thanks so much for uh, joining us. Uh, I know you wrote a piece on this. I think we have that listed uh, on the website. Good uh, insight into this, uh, this, I wouldn't even call it a decision. I would just say this uh, action by the chairwoman of the EEOC. Roger, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Lawlessness, it's back. It was here under the Obama administration. It's now back under the Biden administration. Just do whatever they want to do, knowing that very few people will challenge them and, and others will just kind of like sheep, like sheep, fall in line and be led to the slaughter. I, for one, am not volunteering for that line. Hashtag resistance. I think I'm going to see if I can get all the T-shirts from the left that they had during the Trump years and take that over. All right. Some breaking news today and a nine to zero decision. The U.S. Supreme Court unanimously upheld the First Amendment right of Catholic social services, making clear that the city of Philadelphia cannot exclude the Catholic foster ministry uh, from the city's foster care system simply because city officials disagree with their sincerely held religious beliefs about marriage. With me now to talk about this is Congressman Mike Kelly. He represents the 16th Congressional District of Pennsylvania and has been advocating for Catholic social services. Uh, Congressman, welcome back to the program. Tony, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And what a great day it was today for religious freedom. Well, give me your response to today's uh, court decision. You know, so listening to you and Roger talk, I think that we can see the way the game's played now. You can get buried under lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit by an army of lawyers on the far left who will continue to attack us in every single way possible. We are then put in a position where how many times can you go to court? How much can you afford? What is it that you can afford to do to defend something you shouldn't Thing that's so obvious to everybody. So when we look at First Amendment rights, and then we say these are being challenged in different places around the United States where people, again, are, are not going by what the law says. They're going by what they feel like they should do. It's an incredible infringement upon us. But I think I just I, I'm, I'm stunned by the fact that this continues to happen time after time. It's taken us years to get to this decision. And so sure now, and, and, and uh, Tony uh, Sims Bush, I, that what they were able to do and looking at it's called Bolton versus Philadelphia. But how Philadelphia was able to try to deny them funding because of their deeply held religious uh, feelings and, and say, well, this is this just isn't right. We're going to deny you to participate at a time to me when we have an incredible need for foster care and adoptive care. And the faith based community has always led that we're talking over two hundred years of service trying to be usurped being able being pulled out by a group who just doesn't want to hear that anymore so look what it means to what it means today is the constitution does mean something it's just not a suggestion uh i'm going to tell you this and i mean this sincerely i have been so disappointed by the supreme court of the united states an unelected appointed for life group that took on cases uh that uh, that I, i guess they thought we're worth looking at, and in other cases that we just went through in the last couple of months where they didn't want to get involved. I don't understand how that thinking works, but I understand today I find their ruling, and the fact that it was unanimous gives me great hope going forward that we're going to have a better look at what our laws actually are, and we're not going to bend things just because we don't like them and deny others rights that uh, that have been, been enshrined. So uh, great day. Great day for the Constitution. Great day for the courts to stand up and actually defend the Constitution and rule that way. And to do it unanimously, I think, is the one thing that all of us would look at and say, my gosh, when have they ever done that before? Yeah, certainly an encouraging day for Catholic services there in uh, in Philadelphia. There, um, there's a positive decision, certainly a, a bright light there coming from the court. There is concern, even in, in the uh, in, a, in in some of uh, the the comments of Neil Gorsuch and uh, Samuel Alito, that the court didn't go far enough to make this applicable across the board, and that we're going to continue to see the types of attacks you were just talking about. Uh, hopefully, the court will take this principle that they've defended today and apply it across the board when it comes to religious freedom. Oh, absolutely. Um... And, you know, I don't 
this is not a, a point that we want to to push too much for right now, but I think we've all been consistently disappointed by uh, Justice Roberts and, and and trying to figure out where exactly does does this man stand? Where is he as a jurist? What is he looking at? And how is he coming to these determinations? But I will say that today is encouraging from the standpoint that what was being being attacked was deeply held religious beliefs. In this case, it's Catholic social services. But the faith-based community has got to take heart into this. While this we may not be as big a victory as we would like it to be with language, it was stronger. This is at least a victory in something that we have not experienced in quite some time. Yeah, it, it, again, it's a, we're seeing a hopeful trend uh, on the court, something I don't think many of us ever thought we would see, uh, but a conservative court that is upholding these fundamental freedoms. Uh, Congressman uh, Kelly, thanks so much for joining us, and thanks for your leadership on Capitol Hill on such important things as uh, adoption, foster care, and so many other things we care about. I'm, uh, I'm on the Pennsylvania term. The dead spot here, but can you hear me? I can hear you. Go ahead. Hello. Oh, okay, no, that's okay. I thought I lost you for a minute, but you know, in Pennsylvania, you up and down hills, in and around curves, and everything else. So it's certainly being called a turnpike has more to do with the way you get on the on the pike, but it also the number of, of turns and, and twists that you go through on this. But uh, again, I I think we can take heart. Uh, we can also take take some kind of a lesson from this that is it's our consistency and our persistence that we need to hold uh in so many times we get discouraged and sometimes it gets to the point we almost want to walk away from it but you know what this is a situation and and i've said this often before you cannot take a day off you cannot take a playoff live every day it's like the last day you have run every play it's like the last play you ever run and the one thing we can never do we can never forfeit any any rights that we feel are, are being attacked. And so you can't forfeit and then cry because you lost the game. I would just ask all our listeners, all our people of faith, never, ever give up on the power of faith, the power of prayer, and who, we is, who it is as a people we are when we all stick together. Very good advice, uh, Congressman Mike Kelly. Thanks so much for joining us today. And uh, again, thanks for your leadership on Capitol Hill. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. And please keep up your work. And I know you will. And to all our listeners, thank you so much. And God bless you all. All right. Congressman Mike Kelly of uh, Pennsylvania, who really leads out on a number of these things on Capitol Hill. Uh, It it was a a positive decision, but the court has been in this mode of taking very small steps, making decisions applicable only to the case in front of them, as opposed to the issue in front of them. This is going to rem- this is going to continually come back before the court. And Justice Alito and uh, Gorsuch said pretty much the same thing. Uh, in fact, Gorsuch said dodging the question today guarantees it will recur tomorrow. And he's absolutely right, because we will continue to fight for these freedoms. Folks, thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to give us a call if you'd like to stand with us. We've got our folks still standing by to take your call. 800-225-4008. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul, found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you have taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234. 